was the best place around. All the men would come and lay their money down. Her daddy was a jealous man, but Johanna fell in love. He kept saying the man dealt a bad hand. So deep in the night, when all the world is quiet, someone came and took her lover's life. Ghoulish greetings to every single one of you. Thank you so much for stopping by, making Paranormal Products Podcast part of your day. Those cool tunes you just heard, as always, are courtesy of my good friend, country legend, Bobby Mackey, and I'm, of course, your host, Tessa Morrow. Today I have an amazing lady joining me, a true survivor of the paranormal, Mercedes Lucky Benedict, and her family were on the dead file two years ago. It has been a seven-plus-year investigation and a life living in a real haunted house on a haunted property in Marana, Arizona. She is currently creating a documentary film that will cover all the research and paranormal investigators, exorcisms, and other things on their property. She believes good versus evil is what occurred here. And guess what, guys? good one. Spirits, they're still here. And to the Benedict family, that's just absolutely wonderful as the bad ones are no longer here. Mercedes is a medical intuitive empath, a clairvoyant, meaning she can see spirit, a clairaudient, meaning she can hear spirits' voices, a clairsentence, meaning she can feel and sense spirit, and a claircognizant, a knowing and a remote seer. Just think of Eleven and Stranger Things. This path occurred after two back-to-back near-death car crashes four months apart back in 2008. These catastrophic events plus others created who Mercedes is today. Mercedes, that girl, she has so much to talk about. So without further ado, let's get this awesome gal on these para-podcast waves. Mercedes Lucky Benedict, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and chatting with me. Well, thank you too, Tessa. I am so happy to be here and to be able to speak with you. Pleasure is all mine. Welcome to Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. (laughs) So Mercedes Lucky, I sure would say Lucky, you were involved in two near-fatal car accidents just a few months apart, four, like that's not long at all, and you are here with us alive and breathing today and able to tell your incredible story. Are you able to talk at all about these incidents? I know they're kind of personal, and like, did you experience anything supernatural during this hard time? Yes, and I'm glad you brought that up, and no, it's not private. In fact, I think that is the key to what, you know, the the new me that came out of that, and so it it was a time filled to me with horror and trauma, a a divorce that had occurred just, I think it was just a a few short years before, Mm. and I was a single mom, at that time in, in, in Tucson, and still trying to, I had a, a show called, what, what's my show? <laughs> it was called Team CST, which to me is connecting spirit together, and so mm. uh, 
I was putting, and I'd always been in radio and different things like that before, but in music. So anyway, here I am in this accident. And at that time I had become, I was in school for a massage therapy. So I'm a licensed massage therapist. Luckily I didn't die. And Hmm. uh, at that time I was a week before graduation. So, you know, you can tell that, I mean, it, it was a very stressful time just alone doing that and being a single mom and driving back and forth from Wilcox, Arizona to Tucson to do this school. And then I get in an accident where I'm at a light and I was sitting at the light and a drunk driver lady just barreled into me. She was going 75 miles an hour and I was at a standstill. Oh my God. Oh yeah. And so, I mean, I, it was so horrible. I, I just remember, you know, my whole right side of the car was completely smushed, smashed in. I had a PT cruiser and the whole, it was completely crap. If my son had been in the car, mm. he would have been dead. Oh my goodness. I, I was pretty much pinned in, but I was able to get out. And so there, that's when, like it, it to me, it was like a, I, I should have died. I mean, I was, it was so so much like that I should have been dead and so I call it near death because to me it was <laughs> near death right. I, I did spin off into you know in a coma or anything at this time but to me I call it a near death accident because they said I should have died from that moment I couldn't walk I was I was in terrible pain and couldn't walk and so my whole life was just turned upside down after this first event but what happened was that particular evening that night I happened to work for a very amazing doctor who had who had invented what is called a percussion table and I had never he he was my friend at the time and I had not known I had not ever been on this percussion table which I ended up becoming the therapist working with the doctor after this and I worked with this with this percussion table for you know like 15 to 17 years now wow so 14 years with them and then we had the pandemic and now I've rejoined back after two years I've gone back to work with them again but so that was the very first night that I was on this percussion table and I'll never forget it that was the first night I actually saw an angel and I felt energy I felt this black energy releasing from me now that did not stop it you know stop the pain or whatever but it was really my first huge experience that was the beginning was the car accident the first one so as the weeks and months went by in therapy the doctors that were working with me basically said sorry, there's nothing really we could do. I mean, there, I, I, I still couldn't walk and I was still in pain. And so Dr. Swidler, that's his name, Dr. Swidler had begun working with me and it, it started to feel like I was starting to feel better, just like where I was in less pain. But then one day uh, in November, it was, I was coming back from an airplane ride in New Mexico you know, I was traveling to Texas with my son in, the, in an airplane, and then we we dropped off at New Mexico to save money, and, and then I was, I rode, I was going to drive home. 
Well, we happened to run right into one of the major sandstorms that they have, which are, occur in a little town called San Simon. They have, they're notorious for dust storms uh, killing people on their, on their highway. Oh, wow. You know yeah. what? I just have to say real quick that not last year, but the year before last, my boyfriend, my one of my best friends and me were going to our trip to Tombstone. And I don't remember where it was. I thought it was like it was somewhere in New Mexico or Arizona. But there were signs all over saying if you're in a sandstorm, stop, do this, do that, do that. I mean, it was everywhere. So I was like, wow, this happens a lot. And we were in several tiny ones, nothing huge. But, yeah, we kept seeing them coming from the dust fields, like from these fields. And all of a sudden we would see one. We probably saw like 30 in that short trip. It was amazing. So I wonder if that's the area. Oh, it's it, you know what? They have them everywhere, but I would not doubt it because that one is a very it, – it's like, you know, we lived in Wilcox uh, for a long time, and we worked at the radio station and – different things and that's actually where I ended up ended up putting my first musical uh, you know a collaboration and CD and started doing music through that town all around the states and different things and different shows so that wow. was when I was married yeah so I would hear about San Simone <laughs> and because it you know people dying all the time and so yes in Arizona we don't. We have tornadoes, but they are called dust devils, and they look like you know these tornadoes with dust. And they and they can really they can plow down a house or a tree, or you know they can come right. It's amazing. Yeah. But when the dust storms come, you can't see because usually the traffic is so you know it's just pure dust. So right. yeah. So they, this is a very dangerous area. So that's where we were driving, mm. and. The thing is, is I wasn't in the actual dust storm. This was the day after we took off driving and there had been a rainstorm and dust storm. There was like de debris on the roads. And, you know, there was just, it was like major storm had occurred. And I decided I'd just, you know, go ahead because it stopped. I lost control of the car on the highway and because of this stuff it was just on the road, it just, I'd lost complete control of the car. And it, the, the people, there were people, thank God it didn't hit anybody, but cars, the car was, it just barely went off because those roads were, like, they don't have, they have like a four inches on the edge of this road. Jeez. And so, oh, it was just, that when I've driven back again, I look and I'm like, why don't they put something there? Right. Because I, slid off into the edge I caught it and then all of a sudden the car uh, 16 times I think is what somebody said it rolled oh my god are you serious <laughs> exactly. wow incredible 13, I don't know it was, it was over 13 I think it was that I think I've blanked it out now but wow. all I remember was the, I my son was with me and I put my arm over to him and I, I thought we were going to die, and, you know, next thing we're being thrown around, getting a little shaky thinking about it, but I felt I only, that yeah. moment, this, this is the big moment, was I felt this, I felt a compression like I was in a giant bubble, and I felt like, it felt like, like that, and I, 
I felt secure and and safe in this bubble. And Tristan and I, <laughs> I believe, I'm sure that God was there and protecting us in this bubble. Wow. And when we when the car ended up stopping, we were all the windows were gone. Mm. And so we were, and I was able to get out and then go get him out. And that boy with all these windows open, you know, he only had, he had one, he had a piece of glass in his leg, but that was it. But it was enough. It was enough. And, and then plus me being my accident, you know, I, yeah. I already had an accident. So I'm all, I'm already kind of hurt knowing that. So the ambulance came and, you know, but the, the people had said we had rolled that many times. But to me, it was like we we both somehow stepped out of our body. I can't explain it other than that. It was like we were in our bodies, but we were not in our bodies. And it's like we didn't, our bodies did not get trauma. He had the cut, but that was it. And even my accident did not, that accident did not affect my accident from the prior I didn't get worse in other words I wasn't didn't have a broken leg or broken anything or yeah it was like I stayed in this it was like I was in time I was somewhere in time not going through what we just went through but emotionally I did emotionally I was a wreck yeah it was like the end of my life. <laughs> I mean, I, I was like, yeah, I, I was, the, I was just distraught. This and Tristan, my son, was he was very, it was very upsetting. So this was right. physically, physically, nothing was really altered. It was just emotionally and, and just that whole trauma. It, it stopped me from wanting to drive for many. I was always yeah. afraid of driving for a while because uh, I had to go back and forth all the time on the highway, but. Yeah, so that was this two life events for me back to back. But what happened during the very first one and into the second one was I, like I said, the first time I saw what appeared to be a little, I thought it was a bug coming to me. But it when it got close to my eyes, about five inches in front of my eyes, it was a tiny angel. It was a tiny little angel. <laughs> and so it was from that first traumatic accident that I saw that. And then from that point on, I began um, to immediately see into the body. I, I, I was working on people at the time. Um, in therapy, you are allowed, in school, you're allowed to take on clients. So I, I literally was already kind of working for a year on people as a pre-therapist. So then right away, um, after I healed, I was, you know, I did start working on people. So my healing also began the process of not only did my physical being right after that second thing, a second accident, my physical being started to immediately heal. Hmm. And yes. And then also I was given the abilities to be able to, you know, like here, let's for for instance, I'm sitting next to somebody and I can look, I can just look at that person and I can see their sacrum and their nerves and their pain or like, and it goes down to their leg. It's like, I'm all of a sudden, I can see that. That's incredible. Yeah, it it really was. And I became able to see pain. 
Wow. Well, and you know, it's mind blowing to me. Like it's, that must've been terrifying because here you are, you're still feeling the effects and still quite hurt from accident number one. And I could only imagine what was going through your head. Like, Oh no, not again, as this is happening again. And, and not only you, but your son is in this as well. And so, you know, that motherly instinct, like, Oh my God. And so that must've been absolutely terrifying, but I'm glad that both of you guys were able to walk away from that and you both of them, obviously. And it's neat that you turned that into this kind of healing thing where you're helping others. And so, yeah, I, I think that's very appropriate to say that this was like kind of the introduction to the paranormal world for you like okay boom you know yeah before this before that occurrence i was intuitive i i could get downloads of songs like um like somebody would just say the songs to me literally and i would get up and i write them down and i could that usually happened in threes Hmm. And other things where I could, I could know, like if somebody, but it was nothing like where I was like this at all. I, I was naturally born that way, I guess, as a child, I was very intuitive, could see spirits and all kinds of things. But then I had a traumatic event as a child, several actually. And then I really put those on a block, I believe, which is normal for yeah. children that have dealt with sexual abuse. And so this accident literally shocked it all open again, is right. what I believe. And that's, that's very, very normal for what happens to most people like this. And an interesting thing is that there, it's a time period where, as I developed as a therapist under the guidance of my doctor and my friend, he, he is a very amazing healer and, and, and you know he's just world-renowned. But he was the best teacher because he, he could see with me. He'd say, okay, I see that. I know that, too. I feel that. And then he would show me a book, and he goes, is this what you're doing? And it would be like I am looking at the electric electrical currents of the body. Hmm. Uh, and he, there's books on it. Yeah. And so I did not – but it was exactly what I would describe to him. And so as, the, as I began to really hone these skills – and I began to work for him, then it, it just escalated every year. And another part was the remote viewing. So now I never set out to be a remote viewer. I didn't even really know what that word meant. But all of a sudden, I would be in a session with a person. This, this did not start with my own self. It was with a person. Hmm. Next thing you know, in a session, I would not be in the room. I would be somewhere else related to that person and I would view them in an accident wow I would, yes and or I would view them like I'm right there I'm getting chills just thinking about it because I haven't really talked about this out and open that much before like this to anybody you know that yeah. I don't really know <laughs> right <laughs> but um because most people think this is crazy, but it, this is really how it happened. And I was catapulted into a, a some, um, sometimes they were not in our life as we know it. They were in the past. You know, I, I was kind of like, I never really knew about remote viewing. Like several years ago when I had my radio show, I had somebody on who, who did that as well and talked about it. 
But really, like, besides watching, like, Stranger Things with Eleven, you know, doing that whole remote viewing thing, but it's neat to hear personal accounts. And I'm honored that, like you said, you don't share about this kind of thing very often, but I appreciate you sharing it with me because for the most part, most of the people listening to this podcast, they know it's all about spirituality. It's about the paranormal and supernatural, the unknown and unexplained. And for the most part, I would imagine they're believers too. If not, hey, they're listening for entertainment purposes. But I, so I appreciate you doing that. So is there like a specific case that you could talk about remote viewing, about seeing and hearing and smelling and all that stuff? Yes. I do not mind talking about any of them. In fact, what I try to do as the years have gone by is, well, originally it started, uh, well, let me finish my thought. I'm notorious for not finishing my thought. So I always try to have my clients, I tell them I really want to be able to share this or draw it. I don't really necessarily talk about it, but I I draw what I see. Luckily, I'm an artist, so... You know, I started to sketch these, I would say it was seven years ago. Mm. So, or maybe eight or nine years ago, I I started like doodling the sketches in my sessions. And so I always tell people like, I will, if I need to, I want to share this. I want people to see my sketches sometimes, you know, they, they might find this interesting. So I, I kind of leave it to her as long as I don't tell names. Yeah, absolutely. Personal things that I don't I don't mind sharing because it's number one, I first started seeing this I saw I started watching the Dead Files when I was working for my doctor and all this was in the beginning stages of, of my accidents and mm. things like that. And as I started to watch that show when it first came on, I thought, Oh my god, I draw this stuff like because I hadn't even seen them yet, you know. Yeah. I didn't know what they were doing. I didn't. I wasn't on to that show right away. Right. I, but I, I remember thinking, what in the world? <laughs> I see stuff like what she sees. Those kind of weird, creepy things. I and people. I was doing that already with my own sketches for my clients, not oh. knowing anybody else that brought that into the paranormal world. So I really began loving to watch that show because it, it just, it was something I could relate to. Yeah. And plus I'm, I'm like a big detective type. I should, I could have been a detective when I was, a, I wanted to be a detective when I was a, a kid. So it's kind of a part of me that likes to do that. So back yeah. to the, to this other part though. But yeah, so originally what happened was I also get like, say if a person needs what their body is telling them they need, like if they need an herb, or they need to do this particular movement, or so it's really, it all began, it began like that, or say, if I'm supposed to see what happened to them, then they show that, and so I would draw it, and I'd make these little sketches for my clients in the office, like it was a medical office, so it was very not, we didn't really talk about it, because we're a medical office, Yeah. and so this was my private work between people, and so then, as the, let's say, for instance, when I first met Joe, my husband, and I started to work with him first before we were, were dating, and that's when, believe it or not, I think that's one of the main 
major times when I when I found <laughs> evil. When when I went into an evil. Oh no. Uh, yes, it was with, with it was tied to Joe. Before Joe, all the things that I had really seen in spirit world were the animals. Mm. Most of the spirit and the spirit animals were the very first that I was able to draw and see as spirits would come up to me, but they, they were the nature, they were animals. And so to me, and I'm a huge animal advocate and, and, yeah. I, and, I'm, and my mission is for them. But so that's where, you know, I never knew how it was all going to progress, but a horse was the very first animal and spirit that literally came up to me and a, a dolphin was another one I was able to just like be in this world with them so when when I met Joe and I started working on him and hint hint Joe was living on the property that we are living on now and so I didn't know anything about this property mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about him I yeah. didn't know anything about him you know right so there were times when all of a sudden I would be, I would look down at Joe and I would see gashes in his body, like he had been in a war, like he had been shot. Oh, geez. Like, yeah, and like, and so it, it was literally like I was right there with him in this space in that time, and my job was then to help heal that, and I, so I just naturally go with what was going on and so that is one of the ways it, it also began with that type of thing and then it started multiplying into my clients and Joe was very really cool at that time he went and got me a sketchbook and, and before I would just doodle on paper our little pages at work or wherever but he actually went and got me my very first sketchbook to do this which mm. I still have oh that's awesome <laughs> yeah The one big time I remember was I I had a really neat house in the Tucson mountains that was connected to this property that was on a property that I didn't know at the time until after I started seeing them, but they had several murders on this property itself. Like there was like, it was people would dump bodies there off the, the mafia would hang out there in the fifties or whatever. Wow. (laughs) To find these places. But so it's like, when I asked the owner about it, he goes, oh, yes, by the way, well, this land has had somebody was shot here. They found a body dumped here. Well, they were all on the property, the wow. spirit. So it was it was really crazy. But I remember this one time when uh, all of a sudden I believe that the shadow man that was here on this, I'm sitting in, on my property now, uh, whatever it was, it was connected to, to my husband's now at the time but he wasn't my husband then at the time but yeah. he was there and so and my own belief system I thought I could I could get rid of these things I could say to them you know uh, I would do my thing and they would leave and uh, so people started coming to me and this particular thing a person this dark horrible man that he it was the most scariest thing ever when I felt that in our, in my room that day. And I, and I drew him, I drew it, I drew the whole thing afterwards. And then, but I, he left. 
so I thought, no, I, you know, I got it. I got this stuff. And so it began to where I would be called upon by many other people to help clear them and clear what was going on. And so that's kind of where the journey, you know, began yeah. for that. And then I would still do my work, my regular work, which is helping people with TMJ and in any actual pain. People from all over the world came to this office where if you're in pain, we worked on it. So if you just rewind real quick and then you'll hear her talk about pain and then it sounds like a man saying, hey, or pain. But very cool. Love catching EVPs on the podcast. It was very, very, very cool. But and I was allowed to do my work as an intuitive and medical intuitive. And so, but it was all under the, in a way, nobody really, it wasn't out in the world. We, we kept it as a medical office, in other words. And it was word of mouth. I just had some new cases just recently. And then there was, there's a few that I had last year at this, around this same time that I found completely, incredibly fascinating because I had never gone to Maine. I mean, I remember driving through Maine once when we went to live in Maryland years and years ago. Yeah. But I'd never been to Maine. I didn't know about Maine. And I didn't know this person that had called me. She was referred by another person. And so I didn't know her one little bit. But right away in our session, I started to... And I, and I take notes in my session. So I started to see what was happening on, and, you know, and I have to do my protection and I have to do all this and that. And then I have to get in my zone and then all of a sudden it's just there. And then I started to name off all these things in this town. The town was, well, knock it. Again, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know about their history. I didn't know about their Native Americans. I didn't know anything about their histories. Yeah. But, every, but everything I said, I saw. I mean, I saw a Thunderbird. I saw different things, and I was drawing them, and then I was telling her about the townspeople and what in relationship to her home and what, where she's at. I'm sure you just heard that, yeah? Yeah, that was not me. Or Mercedes, another EVP. She was very scared. Very scared. Mm. And so... And she'd come to, the, it's like the end of the rope. They always call me when it's the end of the rope kind of thing. Like, there don't, there's nothing else. And then all of a sudden, somebody calls me out of the blue. And it, it's just bizarre. So anyway, so I finished my clearing and what I had to do with her. And then we said goodnight. Okay, so when you hear this sound, that means an EVP is coming right after that. So there we go. The next morning, she starts sending me information from the town, <laughs> and I didn't even really know the name of the town at the time. Yeah, and, you know, really, because it's all supposed to be like I don't know a thing about you, and this is what we're going to find out. Right. Yeah, and so, and this is about childhood too. So, like everything, like there would be something about a person if a child, and I do see a lot of children. If a child comes up and is showing me something then usually it is that person as a child. Oh. And they show me their uh, their view of something that happened to them as a child. That, that's very normal for me, children and, and these visuals. Wow. So the next thing I know, I start getting, and I have all this stuff that she sent me still, 
people in the town. The town. I mean, they were the people. The church. The the history that I told them there was. I said there was some sort of place that happened in that town, and there's something under the ground. And and she had no idea. I I, I told her about this thing where there was. There's a whole. I'm seeing a whole cobblestone area, and I believe that they hung somebody was hung there. You know, and this is a town uh -huh. of today, right? You know, yeah. this is a normal town, right? And but she didn't know the history, and sure enough, everything was exact. Hmm. And even the Thunderbird in the native, she was very much loved to go to this mountain, and she felt good in the mountain, and <laughs> so it's like all this. Which I see what I see the spirit world that way too with the animals and the different things would relate there was a giant bird red bird and i said like a thunderbird and sure enough that is their totem that is their big deal on this mountain is this thunderbird from history from way 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 back and so incredible it, it, things like that yeah, yeah. And, so, <laughs> and then recently there was one i just worked on it with somebody and I was looking into the house that they're at, which is also in the East Coast. And I said, um, I think there's a relationship. There's a big steeple. I'm seeing a giant steeple and a very old church. It looks like you could walk over there. It's like there's a connection. There's some, some sort of line to the house that you're in, which is wasn't there before. This What I'm seeing is a house that was there before your house was there is how I would say it. And so as the, as the thing went on, afterwards, she sent me a picture and <laughs> directly, she didn't tell me in, in the session, but directly outside her front door is the church with the giant steeple. It's across the street. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. It, you know, it was exactly because I saw it a specific way because the church, there's so many different churches. You right. Know? But I kept saying it's a specific type of steeple, and you know. So I mean, I've never lived there. She and she kept yeah. saying, "Well, I know you don't know where I live because people, it's hard to believe it, but I don't know how it works. I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know. But it happened after these accidents. That's all I know. It happened after the accident, and it's part of the process that happened spiritually." Wow. That's, yeah, that's, that's absolutely amazing. Well, thank you for that one example. That is quite awesome for sure. So now we, you mentioned your house a little, but I want to kind of really dive deep into that. And you guys, just so you know, we have so much, Mercedes has so much going on there and so much information that we're going to be talking about now that you need to come back for part two to listen to all the dead file stuff, the, the evidence, the, you know, there's a lot of weird things that happen and we're going to get into that the following week. But for right now, this is all about the house and the haunts. Now, a ton of things have happened on your land and above, like in the sky above from your property and home. And I kind of want to break them down and talk a little about each one of them separately. First, I want to hear about the Jolly Green Giant special ops catastrophe. And the article that you shared with me, a witness says, quote, I looked up and I seen a yellow ball like flames coming out of the back. Five seconds later, I saw it hit the ground and then there was a red fireball. 
Mercedes, what exactly took place that fateful March day? I know. Isn't that just a crazy? Yeah. And like like you were saying, that's this is it's not the only one. Right. Um, so so we found out about this particular event during the reveal at the Dead Files when they were here. So but prior to that. I did not know about it because mm. I couldn't I couldn't find it. So they were able to come here and were able to really get those documents from the police and the art, you know, the ones that we couldn't I could have never found. Um, prior to that, I had been searching for murders and different things that had happened because my own personal living here, I knew like I can't eat countless murders, and this is a beautiful, peaceful little desert town. Right. Why? And in this in this area in particular. So since then, my through my research, I found out more and why and all that. But so the question here right now is, what happened on that night? Well, mm-hmm. prior to that happening, well, let me see. I, we got it. Uh, it was 1989, and it was it's a it's. March, January, March 14th. Now, I found that date out, really specifically found that date last, afterwards last year, because when I first heard this evidence from Amy, from Steve and Amy, I, I was so out, so upset. I, I didn't go looking for the evidence. I didn't go back and look at the dead files afterwards. There's was, was so much going on. So I really went to look for the evidence later uh, last year and started to look again. And so the evidence on this one was that in 1989, a special ops mission with these 15 people, 11 Green Berets, all male, from different parts of our country, and four other men, servicemen, high-honored servicemen, Many of them, I, I, I now have been reading, are in from our areas, uh, you know, in the in the Arizona area. Yeah. And so this mission, they are going from one plate not too far. They weren't, it wasn't a big, it wasn't a big, you know, cross-country thing. And so the, the plane blew up. Uh, the, air, the helicopter, it disintegrated above us. And... Above us then, there was nothing here. There was, this was a farmland or cattle land prior to this. And so my husband had built this house, or he put houses, three different ones, or or two, I can't remember which one. He he created this several, in the 90s, somewhere in the 90s. Well, you know, I can't can't remember the exact date now that I think about it, when he did that. But there was nothing here at the time. Yeah. This was deserted land. When you really research, you know, since then I've found as many articles as I can, and then I then I lost them all when I was trying to find them again for you. So now I'm refinding them all because I had them somehow they just disappeared. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to refind all the articles. Right, but um, I know it sucks, but I I found them easily. If you put in the right words, you mm-hmm. can find things. <laughs> so. <laughs> so they didn't know how it, it's very clear they thought well how did this happen it took took weeks and months for them to actually decide it was a mysterious event 
and they still, I mean, you, you still don't really, they think it's this one little piece that went out, and that didn't happen for months and months and months afterwards that they, they deduced what they think actually happened. But for many, many, many months, it was a mystery. So basically just blew up uh, over the property. And in the dead files, you'll hear them talking to the expert guy that's talking about our property. And, and so I got to thinking, well, wait a minute now, you know, they say it's on our property, but I wanted to find more. So I did find this one article about this man that had come here, that he heard about this one time at the Air Force Base, at Monson Air Force Base. He he read a plaque that's on the wall, and he decided that he would come out here. And so he did his own investigation, and he took pictures. And it wasn't that long after that occurred, because... He found evidence in the ground. There's pictures of this little parts that he determined were actually from the helicopter. Oh, wow. So, so when this helicopter blew up, there were no big parts. There were no people found. Okay? Yeah. So it wasn't like a big chunk, a big thing fell to the ground and it was, you know, big pieces and parts. It literally disintegrated. Now, what is the likelihood of that? I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, I just think that's so weird. That is okay. weird. And so these men literally just disintegrated. And so the interesting thing for me is it's, it's very sad. I mean, it's very sad. So uh, when I found that out, it took, it took, oh my God, it just, it took months to, it took a year or more to process this whole thing really that they found but I had seen prior to that I had seen service men I had seen people in uniforms like army people on in spirit here on the property but not knowing like like yeah. I could see somebody come like walk through it by a tree or you know things like that because I see spirits so I don't see them 24 hours a day but there are times when all of a sudden you see them or and lots of people have seen spirits, physical beings on this land. It's, it's not just me. And since then, it, there's it, it's been happening even before we got here because of my investigation to find out. Well, did anybody else see this? <laughs> Does anybody else experience it? And the answer is yes, a definite yes. Hmm. Um, the, there was people that lived in this house prior that I was able to connect with that she said that she even left the house because she felt like there was people walking through her house all the time and doors would open and close and she was scared to death and have would have a gun and wow. and I'm like, Well why didn't you tell my husband this? I mean they didn't tell him. Right. So I I I was trying to get that person to talk on dead files, but they didn't want to tell that to the world. Yeah. So anyway, there was other people that experienced it plus the neighbors and different people in our area have experienced many of these same things. It's so incredibly heartbreaking, all these brave men that fought for this country. And I, I read somewhere in that article that you shared with me that three men, like, I don't know if there were maybe like body parts or whatever, where they were able to identify, you know, like most of the men, but they said that three of the men were never found and still missing to this day. Exactly. Isn't that like what in yeah. the world? 
they just totally disintegrate. I mean, I just don't know. I just don't understand. To me, I just that is just insane. Yeah. Oh, it is. So, yes, those three, and and the and the thing is, is there is no marker here. And so, what I did find out from uh, that other article, which I'm still determined to find, it's somewhere, and I will find it. But they're pictures, and so when you look at the pictures, it's definitely it's right here. It's my yeah. mountain. It's right in front of my house. Right, it's home. Yeah. In the and the measurements of the from where it's from here to there, you know how they measure a land or where it we we are there. Yeah. And so another one that the dead files had found, and I found the same article. There, there was this one was more or less. I believe it was in the sixties, and this is one I need to refine. But it's it's definitely there, and they definitely. I think I actually have a picture of it from the television show as well, because I went back and took pictures of everything <laughs> from the show. Yeah. I could look and have that evidence. Yeah. So. This one was an, a single plane doing a Air Force practice. He was a training pilot. He he crashed in this on this property. Uh, he was in a you know why why would he crash on the right. property? But there wasn't a lot of detail on it. He was not from Arizona. I know he was from a different city or state. And he crashed on this property and died. Yeah, to me, that's just mind blowing that not one aircraft crash, but two occurred yeah. right over your property. And so, between a conversation with you and I, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking, and you actually mentioned that your husband and you are working on a memorial for the brave men that died on the property. And I think that is just so amazing. I mean, they absolutely deserve it. And it's, it's neat that you guys are, are doing that to, you know, like a memorial for these, these people. I am so excited to do this. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to do this last year when I, or it's been over a year now. I don't know. Time is flying, but <laughs> when we found out, we after about when we decided that we were going to stay for sure, we were going to move. And then with the pandemic, we ended up being forced to be here, and we were not allowed to move and could not move, and we just had to stick it out and make this. We had to figure out the answers. Yeah. So what happened when I actually started to find and you know feel like we could. I don't even know. You know, I was told not to make a memorial by a person that I, hmm. um, a spirit, a, spir- a very spiritual uh, person that was is I considered or consider one of my mentors, and she said that the main reason for me not to make the memorial is, is because I it's going to be a beacon for more spirits. Is what the and it, and at the time I was going through so much trauma. Yeah, already having been a, a t- under attack by the spirits, and they tried trying to kill me, basically. <laughs> and you know, everything that occurred here was kind of aimed at me, at all of us, but at me. Yeah. And so, um, I, I was told that if I did that, 
you know, that they're, they're at peace, they're, you know, they're, or they're gone already, so, you know, it's just maybe best not to do that, but in my heart, it always felt like, that doesn't seem right to me, yeah. but as we decided to stay, and, and we've really been doing this, and we, we feel very much different than we did a year ago, then um, I, I told Joe, and he said I was thinking the exact same thing, so we knew yeah. that we were being guided to do this, and, and my husband is an amazing artist and he makes sculptures and he makes these incredible memorials already because we make memorials for the animals we've got bells and he, you know so his website is can i say his website absolutely okay yeah so that's one of the things we don't really promote a lot we we haven't done too much promoting we've been really kind of kept quiet and just little bits here and there have, have i gone public last year i really did but um, not not like with you what I'm doing. I'm really now I'm gonna step out and really uh, start talking about the story this year. So I'm so honored to be here with you today talking about it. <laughs> but the his his website is cavemanfabrications.com. And I run I do the create the website and so it's a, it's a made in the USA. everything he does. So we're you know he's just an amazing artist, our family works together and uh you know we do all this together but so i know that this memorial is going to be amazing and i he wants to create it to where we're not quite sure how we want to do this but you know where there is a mention that people might want to come and and you know to see the memorial so we probably will end up putting it more towards a, a part of the property that where that might could occur i don't know yeah. what that what all this means we're just trying to connect god and trying to connect with our high being and see you know what the best thing is but he has come up with some amazing ideas uh, which i'm not i don't know if he's going to go with that idea so i don't want to say what it is yet but but we want to have this for march 14th which is going to be the actual day this occurred right so many years ago so that is yeah and then luckily, you know, Joan, he's made memorials already for the, the Air Force, the, the you know, the guys that, that jump, the jumping, the, what do you call that, what do we call those people? You know, they jump out of the planes with the, <laughs> the paratroopers, the paratroopers. Well, he started making some memorial monuments for them already just a few years ago. So I thought, oh, we thought that was interesting. And they have. Yeah. The Morana Airport. So, see, we're right by, we have the big airport, which is the Tucson, and we've got the Air Force Base. And then over here, we've got this really neat little airport called the, it's Morana. It's the Morana Airport. And so people fly, you know, fly around all the time. So that's, that's the thing. There was a big, there was, if you look at the newspapers, uh, articles, there was another huge crash that there's a lot of press on that one, and it happened very much near that airport, and a, a lot of people, I think it was 11 people died in that one, so a lot of people will find that article, but it's a completely different date, and it's a completely different group of service people that died. Yeah. And so, but it is interesting that it happens. Right. And so, Ted, this land, in particularly this land, has these portals that, that yeah. there are portals on the land and so that's what I think some of these things have come from what is in this land that causes 
things like that, that nature of what occurs here. In fact, we have seen numerous things in the sky. One of them was actually, I took pictures, it was so recently, we saw, you know, I don't know, it looked like a giant UFO to me, and it, I took plenty of pictures and video, and people all over saw it, so it wasn't just us. It literally went right over this property. Oh. Joe almost had a heart attack trying to get in the house to tell me, look, it's come out here, you know, so we all went out, uh. and like, and then it just vanished. Yeah. It vanished. It, it was so, but uh, there's stuff going on on this land right here. It's very, very interesting. We are in the midst of four different civilizations from the, you know, old, old civilizations, and we, we seem to be right in the dead center of that, our house. So there might be something really about that as well. Yeah. I do have much more information on that. So, because I, it's all part of the documentary thing I'm, I'm making. So, I'm, I'm really going into huge research of the land and what happened here. I, I, I first have to say that I agree with you and your husband. I have to disagree with your one of your mentors because, for me, I travel a lot. Like I'll drive from Colorado to North Carolina and vice versa, several times a year. And, you know, that's like 2000 miles of driving. And then when I go to Arizona and living in New Mexico for a time, I always see memorials on the side of the road, you know, like crosses, yeah. whatever. This like is not there. This is where, for the most part, they drew their last breath. You know, they might not be their final resting place where I guess in your instance with these military men they were like you know like vaporized or deteriorated you know like whatever you want to call it so I'm sure there might be part of them literally still there that is their like resting you know their final resting place but I think it's very appropriate to have memorials every time I drive by and I've seen hundreds and thousands throughout my travels I always do a quick little you know, may they rest in peace. And I wonder what happened. I hope they're at peace now. But I think it's, I think it would be weird not to have something for them. You know, this huge, jolly green giant thing that occurred where all these, you know, men died. And so good for you guys for doing that. And you guys be sure to check out that website, cavemanfabrications.com. I mean, I'll, I'll check it out for sure. I'm always one for checking out memorials and different things. They're all, you know, beautiful and unique and one of a kind. So good for him for doing that. And please keep me updated when, when that comes up. I would love to see that for sure. I sure will. I sure will. And, and I, I, and I totally agree with you. And I do understand why she was worried for me. But as, you know, as I have grown stronger and I feel like we have come through this dark tunnel that into finding what it is, the answers, you know, for many of these things now. And so this memorial, I believe you're right. I mean, I, for one, know that if I'm catapulted back to a person's death or life or air or mm -hmm. wherever, and I deal with these spirits, I know that they can be frozen and traumatically, you know, they're an essence part of them can still be in a traumatic 
spot where somebody dies. I mean, we know yeah. this is very common. It's very common in trauma right. for them to stay right there or, you know, and so I've had so many amazing people through the years because of where I work and just because of who I've become and, and, and all the people I've met. I mean, we've had, I can say, at least 100 different amazing people through the years that have come here or, or through the phone or that have seen things and tried to help. But they always missed one piece. I mean, there's so many pieces, the Native Americans. Now, we used to focus on, because that is very prevalent, and we are going to also make a memorial that will reach out for the children that I believe we have many spirit children here and Mm. still do. And I believe that many of them came from different time periods and also, uh, like like my friend said, spirits have gravitated to our home or to our to our light beings, which they do. If you are intuitive, like yourself, Tess, <laughs> <laughs> we know that they can connect with us and they can travel with us. Yeah, if, or, you know, and it, whether we want them to or not, <laughs> it, it you know, it yeah. sometimes will tell you actually can get to that point or you know you have to really work on this to understand it or to to tell them to go but there's so many people that can you know try to shift them off into the light or vice versa as I have tried to do but I do a different approach on things and now I just know that there are spirits that are here and I and I want them to stay if they want to be here I want to honor them and so we will also make something in relationship to that too because you know we know that they had the murder the double murder here right that's Um, what i was going to talk about next is that so you guys there's this guy named paul whalen and he was known as the insane slayer or the devil killer and so Mercedes, how, who exactly is this guy? I was going to say gentleman, because that's what I usually say, but he was no gentleman. Who was Paul, and how is he connected to your property, to your land? I I know, isn't that the craziest? This is so crazy. right. So, I also did not know, uh, previous to the Dead Files, in all my research, did I find this particular person. Hmm. And so, now, of course, that I... No, and I from that from their investigation, which again I applaud them. I I honor them for what they have done and helped my family. Yeah, they they, they really did do an incredible investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, so what this particular man was now that I I know my area, my home area here is a farmland. It is it was created. Uh, originally, it was Native American, then, of course, you know, the his- Hispanic, all that. So, you know, everybody came here, and, and there's all these wars and all these fighting and things like that. But at this particular moment in time, when this uh, evil person was on around this property, this was a ranch land, farms, so we have cotton and, you know, we have corn growing everywhere and not on our land. Our land was pretty much, this was probably, it could have been, I'm sure it, at one time this was huge Native American river land. There was rivers running through here, but mm. they blocked those off. So now they're dry washes and only run during the, you know, rains. 
Yeah. So at that particular time, too, was I believe there might have been more water here than, than at this particular time. So this guy apparently was a worker of this ranch, and he came on to the property, and he obviously was a devil worshiper. He did satanic rituals, in other words. Mm-hmm. So he literally killed these people, the husband and the wife. And I believe, you know, I don't, I think have a feeling that they did not die quickly. In other words, they yeah. were, they were, they were killed, but then mm-hmm. they were suffering. And not only that, but he took them and he put them in a cross position with each other in, a, in their bodies under a bridge and left them, and he did a ritual with them. So this particular area I have yet to be able to find, but it, they didn't give the markers for it, but there's only, there's so many bridges around here, and they kind of gave, in one of the articles, an, a description of the area, but it's, to me, it's, it's just, I don't know where exactly that is. I still would like to find it, number one, because I would, I want to go there, and I want to do a blessing yeah. on that area because I know for a fact I they they have crisscrossed back and forth these spirits. These this especially the man mm. was here is in the shop. He can ju- he was jumping and I and I have no disrespect. Oh my God for the family if any of the actual family that live in these these ranchers they're still here. Their families still are in this area. There's several main ranching families that came here many years ago and they are still here and roads are made named after them now, Mm. you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's kind of like, you know, what's that road? Well, that actually was the name of the family that lived here in a hundred years ago and started, you know, things like that. The Avras, the Avras is the the Avra Valley road. Well, it was their Valley. I have no disrespect or I mean, I mean to honor whoever I, talk about here because I, I I know people may not understand well that was my great uncle and you know he's in your backyard you know what do you mean so I, I don't mean any disrespect and I didn't know it was him and you know I didn't know what had happened until I was informed this on the dead files in the reveal and then I had to live with it and I had to understand it and I had yeah. to process it so, but I do know what I felt saw, and I do know what we saw, and what I saw for myself, and whatever, all of that I saw, and heard, and felt, and drew, and everything else, she confirmed. She confirmed what, the, she explained the man, she talked about the man, the trauma, and sure enough, I, I totally, you know, that man suffered, and his spirit could be all over the place but he was the spirit there was a spirit here that was doing that that was shot that was hurt and he was part of what was happening here so i believe that this particular spirit now is at peace i do not believe that that is occurring here anymore at this time now uh, i haven't seen any of this type of behavior or this type of spirit in a while now so you know this this past last year was very healing but prior to that yes 
the behaviors and the spirit, oh, it was, it was very scary and very horrible things that were occurring in that area. So, yeah, so this particular people were very much, it was a very traumatic, terrible murder, double murder thing. And the bad thing is we noticed in the paper, you know, I don't think they mentioned this on the dead files, but I, I don't, maybe they did and I just was so traumatized by what they were saying. I didn't, I didn't hear it, but sure enough, that man escaped and I was just writing the details down. It was, he escaped twice. Yeah. <laughs> right after they put him in there and he came back here to oh do it God. again. <laughs> Jeez. Did, was he successful? Did he do it again? No, they actually caught him oh, two good. times. Both the times he was—I mean—so it looks to me like. So and then I think about it as I'm rereading it. Like they don't know how. How did he get through? How did he get away? Well, let's face it. Like we do know that he was definitely part of the demonic. Yeah. And and we could just say, oh well, he was a devil worshiper. Well, I'm sorry, but you know what? I'm pretty sure that he was hooked up to pretty much demonic demons and so the demons demonic is was definitely part of what was the underlying deal going on in this this particular land i believe he had some sort of some uh, some sort of like a, a way to kind of manipulate people unless he's just whatever but he ended up getting put back in and lived his life out there and he's dead now Oh, good riddance. Yeah, you know, looking at the picture, the article that you sent me, you were awesome and sent me, I requested you send me, you know, the articles on some of these things, like on the Jolly Green Giant and, you know, Paul, and you sent me these things, and you were even just mentioning earlier, look at him, he's creepy. Look at the look on his face. It's just like, you know, and yeah, it almost kind of reminded me of like that famous picture of Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, you know, and he's in the courthouse and he has his hand up where you can see the pentagram tattooed on his hand. And just that look on his face, like that smug, like son of a bitch, that guy's a killer look, you know, like he, yeah. you know, he's up to no freaking good. We, and see, we went over an hour talking about all these things from the history. And that's why, guys, next week we are going to talk all things Dead Files, all the things that Steve and Amy have gone through and found. We're going to go through their findings, their drawings, the reveal, the certain things that happened that make their episode damned in the desert. So if you guys have On Demand or whatever and you have access to the Dead Files episodes, look up Damned in the Desert. And this case is truly unique and bizarre. Mercedes, I am so appreciative of you joining me today. And so today, do you have something? Like, I know you you have a lovely voice. I haven't heard you sing, and I don't know if you're going to sing, but are you able to do a little... I'm putting you on the spot right now. <laughs> <laughs> but can you sing something? <laughs> Are you able to sing like a little, a little something? Well, I mean, I guess I could. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, well, today is the day that, um, so I started, you know, when I felt like we got healed, you know, our property, it's like God is just, I felt like everything was to destroy me from being able to do the, my singing or, my, or to bring the story out. Yeah. 
stop Mercedes from doing the stories about the talking. And Mm. part of what I do is I write what I live. And so again, here we, I am doing it now. I'm actually creating these, the what I mean, I've got the one coming up is called Ghost in the Dark. That'll be Ooh. probably on it. And it is about what happened here. I wrote it during this time, during a couple of years ago, right after the Dead Files, uh, to piano. And uh, that will be the, t- that's why I'm titling the, the documentary Ghost in the Dark, only because it's the song and it talks about the ghost on the property oh wow so yeah so today i have a song that uh, is very inspiring to me and i'm tri- a tribute to kev dave baker of kbs and warrior mode he i met them a year ago or when came or during the exorcism time here on the property and um so i began to get back into media again and talk shows and different things and so kev dave baker passed away January 1st and he was beloved all over the world as um he went after the blue and he was incredible he's from Scotland and his death is is so very sad and so anyway what happened was I was about to put the new song out a better you the spiritual warrior song and I was it was set to go that that like the next day and and so what happened was i believe he's like an amazing spiritual warrior himself mm-hmm. and so we created a tribute which will air tonight on warrior mode uh which is the bill bean Ministries. so it's it's an amazing show and i actually kind of working with them now as a moderator and different things i'm, I'm helping people like me that have suffered through or, or gone through the trauma yeah. of these spirits so we put a we've actually put a, a support group well i'm i'm part of the support group to help people that have gone through these experiences like myself that's awesome so it's really it's a really pretty amazing i don't think there's anything like it so yeah. anyway so part of the song is tonight is called a better you some of the song part of the song does discuss demons because oh. it is exactly yeah that's the, this is about the spiritual warfare that's going on so like one of the parts of the song is this is comes out of the bridge and it says if you're a spiritual warrior like me well i thank you all for your bravery and i i hope i hope you come fly with me and so it's wow I'm floating like a butterfly sitting way up there in the clear blue sky and then it talks about the demons I know that demons want to bring you down and so but what do you do what do we do do we let the demons bring us down well that's what they were doing but no we put on our armor and then we just we we have to shine and we have to do much more than that, of course, I found out. But, <laughs> but, but to me, the songs that I am making are about, like the last one I just, my first one, and I'm producing these myself, was called wow. America, What Happened to America. And that one you can find, all my music you can find on Mercedes Lucky Benedict YouTube. And like I said, this okay. is just, I'm just being allowed, really, to be able to finally do it. I mean... I was a musician, singer, songwriter for years. That was my life. 
and I had people in Europe. I had like a fan club, and then I went into a tailspin that with the divorce, and then I lost it all, and then I restarted it all, and then I lost it again with the car accident. Right. And then I began. I said, God said, I guess God said, no, you need to be do this. And so I let all the shows go and I let the music go and I focused on healing work after these accidents. It's all, it was bizarre. I never thought I would do singing again, but it started again. When I met Joe, I began singing again. And then it took several years. But sure enough, I here I am. I'm producing my very own songs written about spirit. <laughs> I thank you for letting me sing and mention that I mean it's just my mission to do it all I guess I don't know well no thank you I mean I'm honored thank you for for sharing you do have a beautiful singing voice so thank I'm glad you're singing again and helping people in the process new song coming out today tonight so good for you. That's awesome. Yay. Yay. Thank you so much for having me on here. But one thing I do want to say uh -huh. is whoever watches the Dead Files episode, mm -hmm. I would just like you to please know that I feel like I looked like I was just a mess. And Aww. I was. I was a mess. I mean, literally, I was almost ready to have to go do the operation. I was very, I was the sickest I've ever been in my life. Oh. after a year of like spiritual attack and I literally right before you see me and I, I don't know if you've actually seen the whole episode but right before I go to talk to um I was knocked down by a spirit the producer and I were walking on in my backyard area to go upstairs with the back porch is the de is a very bad was a very bad area and I was literally knocked right off my feet onto the ground, lost my breath, my makeup, everything was a mess. And then they didn't have like a team there to help fix you. <laughs> and I was, I was very upset when Aww. I actually went, when they picked, helped me get up and get over. And I didn't trip. It was just like, was not the guy standing by me felt like he saw a whoosh. And next thing you know, I was knocked down. I was happy. I was walking up to the steps. And so right before you see me go on and start talking, that's what occurred. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I was, I was literally a mess. You yeah. know, just, I was upset. Oh, another thing about the show is my family had moved here. That, it was a whole different lineup of guests, but because of the floods, they chose to go with my family who had been experiencing their own issues here on the property so that it all was a totally different episode than it was originally supposed to be but there was a lot of trauma happening right as the events were occurring when they came and so yeah I was upset and yeah I was a mess <laughs> I'll I'm much better now <laughs> understandably so and thank goodness you're better all is like better now and yeah you guys again we're gonna go into full detail about that episode and what happened behind the scenes next week so please be sure to tune in to numero dose on the whole episode special so yeah oh and then another thing is on my website we could say that to you and it's a good one it's mybeautifulspirit.com and so i even i have a lot of 
I think I have the I have the dead files as like some some pictures and things like that because I took a bunch of pictures and everything. So it, I actually have a section on that on mybeautifulspirit.com. Nice. Sounds good. So check those websites out, you guys. What a nice gal. Be sure to check out the second part of this amazing story of survival coming out next week. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes! And of course we had to have one more EVP to end the episode. And this one sounds like it's saying run. Take a listen for yourself. Listen to the others, you guys. They are all pretty phenomenal. Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to cry, my friends. Just hit up any of those awesome podcast platforms such as Breaker, Castro, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Podcast Addict, wherever you may roam to listen to your other spookly spine-tinkling podcasts. You'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers Podcast lurking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to Lutherville, Timonium, Maryland. Nashua, New Hampshire, Ojo Caliente, New Mexico, Liverpool, England, and Vallejo, California. Thank you so much for stopping by. Have a spooky story of your own to share. Find me on Facebook on my Paranormal Prowlers podcast page, or you can email me at paraprowl at gmail.com. And again, a big shout out to Mercedes Lucky Benedict, and we will see you next week. Okay.